My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine, without knowing where it came from, although the service who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first, and then when people have drunk freely, an inferior one. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana in Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Not too long ago, a friend of mine shared this link to this headline that said, what's wrong with these pictures? And of course, I had probably a hundred things to do of much greater importance, but being ADD, of course, I needed to go down this stupid rabbit hole. And I, I clicked the link and it opened up this slideshow that began with the words, from the wonderfully hilarious to the absolutely terrifying Enjoy these outrageous when you see it photos from the edge of your seat. Usually these types of internet things can be a kind of a letdown, but I did find myself clicking away through all 27 of the pictures that ran all those extremes of, of terrifying to hysterical or a mixture of both. For example, the first one was a picture of this girl that was sitting on her bed and it just had this caption of, the eyes peeping under the bed are freaky. And it took a few minutes, but eventually you could see what looked like this opening between the mattress and the bed frame. And it looked like this eye and this nose of someone freakishly staring at this unsuspecting girl, smiling as she was posing for the picture. Or another photo had this woman in her bathroom taking a selfie that was ruined when you read the caption. It said, when you try to take a seductive selfie, make sure that your dog isn't drinking out of the toilet bowl first. Or the favorite of mine it had these two hunters posing with this bear that they had killed with the caption, these hunters have no idea what's behind them. And as you looked in the background, that's camouflaged in the darkness of the night in the forest that they were in, you saw this black bear on all fours slowly sneaking upon them in the photo session. 
I was struck by how more times than not, I probably wouldn't have caught those important things that were, were right there in front of me for, the, for me to see. For the most part, I was kind of drawn to the, the thing that was front and center, the, the main focus or the main point of the picture, and I needed all those captions and some time to stare and look at the picture for a few moments to maybe see that face or catch that dog or see that bear or whatever that thing that seemed somewhat hidden but was right there in front of me the whole time. To look past the obvious and to recognize something of even greater importance. I'm sure there was a lot more to the story for those hunters after celebrating the the killing of that one bear. Well, every time I've encountered this gospel, I've always been simply drawn to the miracle itself. I mean, what's not to like about Jesus turning massive jars of water into fine wine? That's sure to be a crowd pleaser. Or maybe at other times I might find myself focusing on some of the details, like reflecting on Mary, Jesus' mother, seemingly forcing her son to help the couple out when they find themselves in this position of being out of wine. There's already a tremendous amount to unpack with just those things. But when going through a commentary on this gospel this week, it kind of put a, a caption under this image of the gospel of the wedding of Cana. It gave me a lot more to think about. For example, I must have forgotten or maybe I didn't even realize that in the Gospel of John, John never uses the name Mary. But he simply refers to her as the mother of Jesus. And that's not because he didn't know her name and he wasn't meaning this as a slight to her. John was the one who, from the cross, Jesus entrusts Mary to his care. So John knows and loves the Blessed Virgin Mary. And she's not the only one John doesn't identify by name in in the whole gospel. John doesn't even use his own name. He refers to himself as the beloved disciple. And the reason for that is that John doesn't want any other character to deflect attention from what should be the focal point of the entire gospel. And that's Jesus himself. All the focus belongs to him and to him alone. So in this gospel passage, it's not about Mary getting her son to do something he didn't want to do or something that she'd like him to do. The joke is that oftentimes every mother thinks that their son walks on water. And in this case, she's right. But there's a lot more truth to that. The mother of Jesus knows who Jesus is. And she's pointing towards him. She's trying to draw attention to him. And when she does, John again chooses his words very carefully. This miraculous feat isn't called a miracle. Rather, John says Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana in Galilee. And so revealed his glory and his disciples began to believe in him. In short... John's telling us that no one or no thing or or no event can compare to Jesus. And the entirety of of his gospel is all about that and pointing out Jesus' true identity. As much as the the picture of Cana often draws our, our focus to Mary's role in this or to the miracle itself, John's putting these captions there to make us look deeper 
to see beyond those things and to recognize this is all about Jesus and who he is. Jesus is the one who will fulfill all those beautiful promises we heard about in that first reading from the prophet Isaiah. Moving people from feeling forsaken or seeing everything around us as desolate. And Jesus, we're called God's delight. The people are espoused to him. And as the bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so God rejoices in us. Which is what makes the gospel so relevant for us today and every day. Think about all the things that we carry with us when we come into the doors of this church. The tremendous amount of images that we we take in on a daily basis. The voices, the characters that we encounter, whether in our own personal lives or just amplified through every various device that we're more attached to with each passing day. I know I could think about family concerns and and, and tensions. I could think of, of failures in my own ministry and work. I can easily rattle off things that are going on in the world or even in the, in the church, that dispirit me or discourage me. It's understandable for, that for each of us, our, our attention is often drawn towards those things, and we focus on those places in our lives where, where the wine has run out, or on the many other cases where the fears and the worries that we experience get us to feeling like we're forsaken, or looking around the whole world around us and feeling that everything is desolate as well. But thanks be to God, despite all those realities, we're here today. We've gathered in this place, and the gospel wants us to look closer at all those pictures, deeper at the mental images that we carry in our our minds and hearts. And this gospel captions to us the good news that God rejoices in us, the good news that Jesus is concerned with our concerns. The good news that Jesus' hour has come and is still here, and he continues to reveal his glory in our lives, and when we allow him to, through our lives. It's right there in every moment of selflessness. It's revealed in every act of sacrifice that we experience. It's renewed in all those acts of forgiveness that are offered and are received. And it's proclaimed once again in the, in the care and the concern that begins in our heart and becomes calls to action for us. Sometimes we just need to look a little deeper and a bit more carefully and see what's hidden in the picture right in front of us. Substantial, Father, who in all things are 
He suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated in the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory and judge the living dead, and his kingdom will have it. I believe the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is the Lord and the Father, who is spoken to the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and Catholic Church. I confess all baptism for forgiveness of sin. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the Trusting in God to hear our prayers, we call to mind our needs and the needs of all our sisters and brothers. Please respond, holy family, pray for us. For the church, that we may foster the sharing of spiritual gifts. Gracious and loving Father, we come to you confident that you alone can answer our needs. Hear our prayers and grant them according to your holy providence. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Today's second collection is for benefit of our shared school expenses in the name. 